Um, if you have a Bible, open it, um, turn it on, follow along in your outline or up on screen. Um, John chapter 12 is where we're going to be. Um, our preference when we talk about, um, if you have a Bible, our preference would be that you bring a Bible, um, that you open it up, that you take notes in it. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. We've got some really cool study Bibles um, at the welcome desk um, that we give out for free. Um, so if you need one of those, if you'd like to have one of those, stop by there, um, get yourself hooked up with one of those. Um, but John chapter 12, that's where we're at. We are finishing up our Grave Robbers series today. Um, we've been in John chapter 11, um, and in the first uh, up to nine verses of John chapter 12, and uh, this is like one of the longest series I've done on one section of Scripture in the past 10 years. And so it's been really cool. Um, it's really kind of easy when you kind of walk through a certain section because you know what's going to happen um, the next week. Uh, we're starting something new next week, um, so I don't really know exactly which way we're starting. But we're starting a new series next week called House Party, and it's going to be exactly what it sounds like. Um, we're going to do some fun things, and we are going to celebrate the goodness, the greatness, the protection, the provision of God in His house. Um, plus, we've got some really cool things um, happening this summer that we're going to start talking about next week. I know if you were in here early and you saw the announcement video, um, there was an announcement about Father's Day, um, and they didn't, um, they didn't put out exactly what we were doing, um, but I'll let you in on the whole secret. Um, it's called Happy Flippin' Father's Day, and we are flipping burgers, and we've got a company coming in, and we're setting up axe throwing outside here, and so we're going to be throwing axes too. Now, listen, 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 moms, Mother's Day. I know we failed you miserably. That wasn't my fault. I pushed for you. I fought hard for you. There wasn't a man in this church that would step up and help, though, like none. And so we got you covered, though, next year. I promise we're going to make it up to you. We're giving away kittens, and you're going to be fine. It's going to be it's going to be great. But Father's Day is going to have a 4th of July stuff. Um, we've got a pool party. We've got church in the park. We've got all kinds of great things that are going to happen, serving days um, throughout this next series, um, uh, this house party series. So it's going to be cool. Today, though, um, as we finish this up, let me start today off like this. Um, can you think of a time, any time in your life, really, um, where generosity, like somebody being generous to you, made an impact on your life? Um, I've got a couple of examples to share with you to start this off. There was a time, um, I'll make a very, 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 very long story, super, super short. Um, I owned a construction company, and um, I had an employee rob us. Um, he stole some checks from us, and um, he wrote checks out to himself and to some other places, and he cashed them all over town. And the bank froze all of our accounts. Now, I don't know if a bank has ever froze all of your accounts. Like, it, it was like legitimately like the movies. Like, you walk into somewhere where your accounts have been frozen, sir. Like, I, I didn't even like really know that was a real life thing. Um, but they froze all of our personal accounts, um, our kids' accounts. Um, it was absolutely crazy. Um, both of our kids um, were small. And um, at that time, um, we, didn't, we didn't keep cash. I mean, everything, everything that we did was just cards and, and checks, and so we didn't keep any cash around. So we were literally in a bind. Um, we found out this happened. It was a Friday afternoon, and we were rolling into the weekend. And um, we, like, couldn't even buy milk and diapers for the kids. Um, we didn't tell anybody what was going on, mostly because it happened so fast. And, again, it was late on a Friday afternoon when we figured it out. Um, but the next morning, 
Um, somebody had put a $50 Kroger gift card in our mailbox. A Kroger is like a grocery chain in the Indianapolis area, um, sort of like Hy-Vee. Um, and so somebody had put a, a $50 gift card in our mailbox, and we were able to go out and get necessities for the kids. We were able to get milk and, and diapers. It was generosity. I have no idea who that person was to this day. I, I don't even know. And $50 doesn't seem like an entire amount or a, a, a huge amount. It doesn't seem like a lot. Um, but in that moment, in that time, in what was happening, um, it was gigantic. And, and here I am, Jair was a, a year old when it happened, and so here I am nearly 17 years later, um, still talking about it. It had that big of an impact um, on my life and, and my family at the time. Um, another time, I was on a plane, and listen, <laughs> every pastor, every pastor has a plane story where they've led somebody to Jesus. I don't have one of those because I don't like people. I don't like talking to people. On the, that's what I should say. I like people. I like people. I don't like talking to people on the plane. I don't. Like, like the, do you, think, you know what I'm doing on a plane? I'm play, praying that the plane lands safely. Now, somebody will shout out inevitably, all planes land even if they crash. Shut up. All right? Nobody likes you. Nobody wants to fly with you. All right? So, so I, don't, I don't have that. I led somebody to Jesus' story. On this particular flight, um, we, we had different seats, and my family was all sitting in the back, um, but they put me in, like, business class, and so I was sitting in the very front. And I sat down to a guy, next to a guy, and as soon as I sat down, he started talking. Like, I couldn't even get my earbuds in. To, I mean, he just started going. And the entire flight, I can't remember if we were going to Colorado or if we were going to um, Orlando. It doesn't matter um, because he wouldn't have shut up on either one of the flights. But he's talking the entire time. And then he's a drinker. And so he's drinking, and I don't know why the stewardesses didn't cut him off, but it's just like drink after drink. And then he's buying drinks for everybody around us, and he's just talking and talking and talking, and he drove me absolutely crazy. I was like, dear God, please let this plane crash, because then he will be quiet. Like, it was, it was awful. And so anyway, um, we landed, and he stuck out his hand to shake my hand. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever stuck money in your hand, but cash has a very distinct feel to it, doesn't it? Like, like, I knew it was cash, but I didn't know how much. And I'm like, hey, man, I, I, can't, I can't take this. I just, like, you're weird. You drove me nuts. I've been cursing you this whole time. I was hoping the plane crash. Like, like no, man, I, I, I can't take this. He said, no, take your family somewhere nice to eat. And so I took it, and I just shoved it into my pocket because I didn't want to look at it and be like, oh, he handed me, like, four fives or something, you know, like 20 bucks. Yay, great, kids, we're going to McDonald's, yay. But I also didn't want to be like, oh, like freaking out. So I shoved it into my pocket. Well, I go to baggage claim, I, I, I get um, reconnected with Mary and the kids, and I'm telling her, she's like, how was the flight? I was like, the dude sitting next to me wouldn't shut up, and I was going through this entire thing. I was like, but then he, he gave me money, and I reached into my pocket, I pulled it out, and dude had given me four $100 bills. Now, yeah, right? <laughs> I will never ever. I don't know that dude's name. I don't know who he is. We didn't, couldn't find him to track him down to see that, but I will never, ever, ever forget the generosity of that dude. Generosity, don't miss this, generosity has a way of impacting our lives, right? When people are generous to us, we don't forget that stuff. And when God gives us the opportunity to be generous towards somebody else, we don't forget it and they don't forget it. And both of these instances that I use as opening illustrations, both of those people, I guarantee, remember what they did. Now, I don't know either one of them, 
The, the person over here with the $50 gift card, they obviously knew me. They, they knew that something had happened, and, and, and they wanted to reach out and bless us. To this day, we don't know who it is. Um, but they remember that. I guarantee they remember a time when, when they helped somebody out. This guy, I guarantee he remembers a time when he drove a person nuts on a plane and gave him $400. Generosity. There, there's something about generosity that when it happens to us or it happens through us, it just impacts us, and it's amazing. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the subject of generosity. And listen to me. This is not, this is not a give-to-the-church message, all right? This is not a money message, per se, all right? There's going to be some stuff tied into that, but it's not. And so I know some of you are like, how'd, how'd, how'd your purse, Martha? Like, no, no, we just, like, this, that's not where we're going. We're going to look at how God has been generous to each and every one of us and how he allows us the opportunity to be generous to other people. Again, we're finishing this grave robber series, and so quick review. We started out in week number one talking about a guy named Lazarus, and we found out that Lazarus was sick, and we talked about how all of us, we can't get well until we're willing to admit that we're sick. Like, we have to come to a realization that we're struggling. We have to come to a realization and, and, and want to get well. And we talked about how healing is a process and it takes time. And we went through all of that stuff and we talked about our need for a Savior. We can't understand that we need a Savior until we realize that we're a sinner. And so Mary and Martha, Lazarus's two sisters, they tell Jesus, they say, hey, your, your friend, because Lazarus and Jesus were pretty tight. They said, your friend Lazarus is sick, and, and their anticipation, their expectation was that Jesus would show up, and Jesus would heal him. Jesus would cure, cure his sickness, and he would be fine. And Jesus says, hey, the sickness won't end in death. That's all right. It's cool. Don't worry about it. And he sits back down. He doesn't move. The next week, we talked about how Jesus told his disciples, hey, we need to go see Lazarus now. We're going to go to Judea. And they didn't want to go. And that week, we blew up the myth that following Jesus is always easy. Because following Jesus, all of us know this, following Jesus isn't always easy. It's always right, but it's not always easy. As a matter of fact, there are some very, 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 very difficult times in following Jesus. There, there are times when chasing after what the world has to offer seems way more appealing than stepping into what Jesus has called us in to do. But even though it's difficult to step into what Jesus has called us to do, it's always the right thing to do. In week number three, we talked about how when Jesus finally got to Judea, Lazarus had been dead, and he'd been in the grave for four days. And ultimately, he told Mary and Martha, the two sisters, he said, take me to the place where your faith is buried. Take me to the place where you lost your faith. And we talked about how anytime we lose faith in Jesus, anytime we find it difficult to trust Jesus, it, it, it doesn't mean that we're bad people. It doesn't mean that we're necessarily bad Christians. It just means that we're human. Because every single one of us are going to have a difficult time trusting at times. There's going to be times where we question our faith. There are going to be times when we question God's plan and God's purpose for our lives. There are going to be times when we scream at the sky and say, are you kidding me? Right? And so we talked about that. and We talked about how Jesus tells us, take me to that place and let me fight this battle for you. Just Trust me. In week number four, we talked about how Jesus wept because he felt compassion for people. And we said that when we hurt, Jesus hurts because he feels what we're feeling. And that was the week where we saw Jesus essentially rob the grave because he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out. 
And then last week we talked about that, that how when Lazarus came out, the Pharisees, once, once Lazarus rose from the dead, you, you would think everybody would celebrate. You would think everybody would be excited. Dead man just came back to life. Jesus is saying, hey, unwrap him like dude is alive. But the Pharisees, remember, they're wrapped up in religion. And I told you, religion always seeks to kill the miracle. And we talked about how religion is a set of man-made rules with the purpose of control and manipulation through guilt and shame. That's what religion does. Religion tries to bind us up and tells us this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. Religion sets to, to keep you in bondage, we said, but Jesus seeks to set you free. And today we're going to talk about what happened after Lazarus came walking out. Because if you remember last week, they kind of ran Jesus out of town. And Jesus went and he, he, he chilled out in the wilderness and he was kind of holding out until a certain time, period of time happened. And that's where we're going to pick up this story, John chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says this, six days before the Passover celebration began. Now, I, I want to point this out because it's right here in the text. And I, I think this is, this is cool. Um, John's communicating something in this verse that, that's amazing. Because, well, let me set it up like this. Um, how many days did it take God to create the earth? How many days? Six, right? Here in six, I'm here in seven. Wh- which is it? Six or seven? Six, right? Let's land on six. Took so six days. On the seventh day, he rested. And so six days before the Passover is when Jesus would go and die on the cross. And so right here, John is saying, hey, he's getting ready to create something brand new. Like there's gonna be, it's, like it's always been based on the law. And, and the law has been there, and then there's been laws on top of laws, on top of rules, on top of rules. But Jesus is about to create something brand new, and it's going to be based on grace. I mean, that, that's like, that's super cool. At least I think it is and it's in the text, so I wanted to point that out. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany because they couldn't keep him out of town. They tried to run Jesus out of town, and Jesus is like, hey, you know what? It's time for me to move. Hey, disciples, guys, get up. It's time for us to continue to take our next steps because if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we're never going to sit still. We're constantly going to be taking our next steps. It's called a walk with Jesus, not a sit still with Jesus, right? And so we're going to continually be taking our next steps. So he said, hey, it's time to move. He gets back in Bethany. He's like, hey, you guys tried to threaten me. You tried to intimidate me. I'm stepping back into town. And then, then John says this, and I love this. Um, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. John wants to remind us that even though this just happened in the last chapter, he wants you to know, hey, this is the guy who Jesus raised from the dead. In other words, he's saying, hey, 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 listen, 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 Linda, focus. This is the guy that was dead. He was dead. Now he's alive. And this is the place. Hey, by the way, in case you are wondering, it's where Lazarus, who used to be dead, it's where he lived. This is where Lazarus lives. That's what John wants us to know. This is a reminder to all of us about the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Lazarus was alive for one reason, the grace of God through Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for the grace of God through Jesus Christ, Lazarus would be dead. But Lazarus right here is alive. Why? The grace of God through Jesus Christ. Verse 2. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha, no, no missus, Martha served, and Lazarus, here's again, 
He wants, he wants you to know Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Hey, only alive guys can eat, right? And so he's, he's, he's letting us know over and over and over again that this miracle was absolutely amazing. Now, let me set this up. I want to talk about this dinner thing. Um, you might know this about me. You might not. This might come as a shock to some of you. Um, I love food. Like, love it. Like, like it's like my love language. Like, seriously. Like, I know that you take the love language test, there's only five. That dude messed up. Food should be, like, um, food should be one of them. That would be, like, the top one for every, I'm, I'm just telling you, right? I love food. We recently had a graduation party uh, for our daughter, Chloe. Chloe just graduated um, from high school a couple of weeks ago. And I told her when it came to the food at the graduation party, I said, Chloe, you can have any food that you want, any food. Like, baby, you want Bordenero's ribeye steak sandwiches? You got it, whatever you want. But especially if you want Bordenero ribeye steak sandwiches, you got it. So, Chloe, anything you want. But just let you know, Bordenero ribeye steak sandwiches are on the table. She said, I want walking tacos. I said, listen, 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 baby, 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 baby. Bordenero's ribeye steak sandwiches cooked by Tom himself. Medium rare, bloody soaking into the bun, baby. Like Bordenero's ribeye steak sandwiches. She said, it's my party, not yours. I, I said, no, don't clap, don't clap, no, 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 no. I said, what if people don't want walking tacos? She said, they don't have to come, and they don't have to eat. I said, what if I don't want walking tacos? She said, you don't have to come, and you don't have to eat. What is my love language, little girl? But you know what? She was right. The, the party was in her honor, right? Like nobody was coming to see me or anybody else. It was all about Chloe, yes or no? Yes. Well, that made me think about this particular passage because this dinner, I'm sorry, there's like something hanging here. It's like driving me nuts. Um, this dinner was all about Jesus. This dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And, and it made me think about our church. And the reason we get together each and every week is to honor Jesus. We're not doing this about me. Like th this, is, this is not about me. I don't know if you know that or not, but legit, this is not about me. It's not about the band. They're amazing. They're incredible. But it's not about the band. It's not about any of us. It's not about us getting the glory. It's about Jesus getting the glory. It's about us getting together to honor Jesus and to be thankful for what he has done in our lives, about how generous he has been to each and every one of us. And, and I want to say, I want to say thank you. Thank you for showing up each and every week, or watching online. I know, I know it's not the easiest thing in the world to show up at Central Church, be a part of Central Church, especially in our community. But I'm super, 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 super thankful that this is a place that we get to get together and honor the name of Jesus. Because notice what happens. Notice what happens when you get together and honor the name of Jesus. The Bible said Martha served. Like, she didn't have a problem serving. You know why? Because Jesus brought her brother back from the dead. If you see somebody dead and they come back to life and you love that person, you will do whatever it takes to serve for the rest of your life. You, you just will. And, and, and I want to say that I am super thankful for people that we have in our church that serve every week. We come into this place to honor Jesus. And when we come in here, we serve because of the things that he has done in our life. 
And so the people that serve on both of our campuses, I'm incredibly thankful for you. Today, we've got people serving in production. We've got people serving by engaging people online. We have people serving as greeters. We have people serving in the nursery. We have people serving in kids' church. We have people who are serving. And the, the reason the church is able to get done what we need to get done is because people are willing to serve. And so thank you. Thank you for honoring Jesus by serving. In the next series, you're going to see um, five ways that, that we feel that you can be connected um, to Jesus and each other um, through Central Church. And, and one of the ways that we say is serving purposefully. And so we want you to serve. And we want you to serve purposefully. Now, I know that there are some people that you're here, you're not serving anywhere yet. You Listen, I get it. But there's one question that I want to ask you. It's a big one. And it might be offensive, but, but I hope that you hear the truth behind it. If Jesus has ever done anything significant in your life, because let's just say that, that Jesus raising Martha's brother from the dead, that's pretty significant, right? Yes or no? Yeah, pr- pretty significant, pretty cool. So if he's done anything significant in your life, my question to you would be, why wouldn't you serve? If Jesus has done anything significant in your life, why wouldn't you serve? Because here's something about serving that I've discovered personally. Serving doesn't necessarily help the church get done what it needs to get done. Yes, that stuff happens through it, and that stuff's awesome, and that stuff's amazing. But serving allows Jesus to do something inside of us. He really does. There's something that comes alive in us when we begin to serve other people, when Jesus is is, is poured out of us, that's just absolutely amazing. And then here's another thing, and this isn't my quote. I don't know who who did this. I tried to Google it. I probably have it out of context and everything anyway, Um, but, but, but I like it. Serving doesn't open the doors for the church, it opens doors for you. That, that's what serving does. And I'm telling you, Jesus will bring stuff alive in you through serving others that will absolutely blow your mind. I'm talking about any type of serving. You serve purposefully, that's what we want you to do. Serve purposefully. And, and, and listen, we've got all kinds of serving opportunities around this church, starting with kids ministry, 712 youth ministries. Um, we have production opportunities, greeting opportunities. There, there are serving opportunities here each and every week. And, and I've had people, listen, I know the pushback. I don't feel like I'm supposed to serve in the church. Just give it a shot, right? Just, just try it. Just try it and see what Jesus does in you and through you. Because I'm telling you, it starts to bring something alive in you when you serve somebody else. And by the way, every one of our church staff, every one of them started off serving. And those serving opportunities propelled them into full-time ministry opportunities. And it, it's crazy to see the change and the movement and the way God calls each of them into their next steps. As a matter of fact, um, this is a good place to tell you. Um, we're allowing um, our staff um, to step into some different and some new and some bigger roles that God is calling them into. We talk about all the time around here about next steps. We talk about God calling us into our next steps, and every one of us has a next step, including the guy preaching at you every single week and the, and the staff around him. We all have next steps that God is calling us 
into. And God's always calling us into bigger things. God's not calling us backwards at all, ever. And so you all know um, that Chelsea, our 712 uh, youth director, um, she'll be stepping into being a full-time mom in August. Um, she's still going to be around here. Um, she's still going to be um, doing some things and helping out. Um, she's still going to be on the teaching team, um, which is awesome for us. Um, and so um, she's just she's following God and stepping into what God has next for her. Um, within that change and with us going through some strategy things and seeing some needs and some, some stuff that um, maybe some holes that we had um, in our church over the past couple of years. Um, Pre-COVID, we had done um, a big strategy meeting, and we were ready to roll into a bunch of things. And then, and then that happened, and then some other things changed, and all that stuff changed. And uh, we could go on and on about that. Um, but we, we had seen um, some areas um, where our staff are incredibly gifted and talented and can fit some different roles to help our church grow. And, and so um, through prayer and, and really talking through it, everybody, under, everybody came up with this, hey, these are our next steps. And so Pastor Gary um, will be stepping in the role of associate pastor. Um, he's really going to begin to focus on family ministry opportunities um, and really help me um, with some of the, the pastoral care um, duties that, that need to happen here. Um, he's way better at that stuff than I am anyway um, on, on some of those things. And so um, with some of, the, some of the pastoral stuff that comes up, he's really going to be focusing more on that. Um, Melissa uh, will be stepping in and serving as our connections director. Now, don't worry, she's still going to be up here. She's still going to be singing each and every week. She's still going to be leading songs because she's absolutely amazing at that. Um, but she's really going to be pushing us forward in regards to connecting relationally. That's another way that we say that you uh, can be connected here at Central is connected relationally. And so the events and the things that are going on and the, um, the, 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 the uh, Fourth of July events and just, um, just the day-to-day, just getting us together to connect, to be more of a family. Um, that's really what Melissa is going to be um, focusing on. And then finally, Claudia um, will be joining us on staff um, as our worship director. Claudia has been serving on the worship team for a little over a year now, and she's following God in her next step. And she's going to be absolutely amazing in this role. Um, we're still searching for our new 712 youth director, um, but we know from what we have seen and, and the way things have gone for us um, the past couple of years, um, we know God has a plan, and God calls the right people at the right time to take their next step. And, and we're excited as a staff and as a leadership team at Central about the exciting things that are happening and how God is continuing, continuing to call us all into next steps um, so that we can serve you better and so that we can all honor Jesus um, together and, and we can use our gifts and talents in the ways um, we talk about being created on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And as, as we grow, um, that purpose really begins to come alive in us and we begin to see. And so um, you should be excited, just as excited as we are, about um, the things that are happening here at Central. So in this thing, let's go back to the text. Lazarus, the guy who's alive, is sitting down and, and, they're, and they're eating. Right? I love the fact that he says that. The Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Because if the guy who brought me back from the dead is in my house, I follow him everywhere he goes. Right? Like we're sitting down, we're eating. He's getting up. Where are you going? Going to the bathroom. I got to go too, Jesus. Like I'm, I'm, like I'm going everywhere with that guy. But this just reminded me of the fact that all of us, and, and I would challenge everybody in this room, 
All of us have the opportunity, not the obligation, but the opportunity to connect with Jesus on a daily basis. It's not about just what we do in here. It's easy to connect with Jesus in here. It's easy to come in here, listen to the sermon. It's easy to come in here, sing songs. It's easy to come in here, talk to people. It's easy to come in here and put on a front. But it's not about what we do in here. It's about what we do out there. How are we connecting with Jesus Monday through Saturday? And listen, I'm not the guy who will ever stand up here and tell you, here's 15 things that you've got to do. But what I want you to understand and what I want you to walk away with today is connection equals direction. When we have connection with God, when we have consistent connection with God, we will have consistent direction from God because connection equals direction. And so here's the question we ask all the time. What is it? What is that thing or what are those things that set your heart on fire personally? This is for you, not for your spouse, not for your mom, not for your dad, not for your kids. What is it that sets your heart on fire for Jesus? Figure that out and do that a lot. Whether it's reading your Bible, whether it's prayer, whether it's giving, whether it's listening to a worship song, whether it's serving, figure it out and just do it a lot. Because what connection will do is it, it will bring new perspective and new direction into our lives. Because connection equals direction. Uh, let's keep going. The story gets really interesting and weird. Um, verse 3, then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume. Not Walmart perfume, all right? Expensive perfume. Took a 12-ounce jar of expensive, apologies if you purchase your perfume at Walmart. I'm sure it's great, but um, <laughs> maybe. Made from essence of nard. That's probably what you could get at Walmart. I don't, uh, made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. That's weird, pouring that out on somebody's feet. But then it gets really weird. Wiping his feet with her hair. All right, time out. <laughs> What's wrong with you, girl? Like that, that's strange, right? Wiping his feet with her hair, the house was filled with the fragrance. This right here is what you would call an extravagant gift. We're going to see in a little while this perfume would have cost her a year's salary. So I don't know what you make in a year, but just imagine that being put into a bottle of perfume and pouring that out the feet of Jesus. I mean, that's what you would call a legitimate sacrifice. No one, no one that I know of is going to take, let's say, a year's salary, get it in $1 bills and pile it up, put some lighter fluid on it, and light it on fire, right? I mean, I mean, legit, like that, that, that's what's happening right here. Took a year's salary and just poured it out the feet of Jesus. This is what we call generosity. Listen to me. Anytime generosity happens, don't miss this. Anytime generosity happens, the house is always filled with fragrance. Always. Listen, generosity is contagious. You, you know that to be true. Because um, all of us have had this experience. I told you this story at Easter. But have you ever been in line at McDonald's in the drive-thru or any drive-thru? And when you get to the window, the cashier tells you that the person in front of you had paid for your meal? Like, like when that happens, there is just something that wells up inside of you and compels you to want to do it for the person behind you as well, even if it's $57.60 at McDonald's. And my pastoral advice to you is always check the rearview mirror and make sure it's not a minivan full of kids. Anyway, it's an incredible feeling to be generous, is it not? Isn't it? I've been on the giving end, and I've been on the receiving end. It is so incredible when generosity happens. 
And, and church, I, I want to point out that one of the ways that we get connected to Jesus is by giving generously. Matter of fact, that's three of the five that you're going to learn in the next series, right? Connect relationally, serve purposefully, and give generously. Giving generously is an awesome, awesome, awesome way to be connected. In fact, I do it every week, um, or every, every two weeks, I guess. Um, we do it with a sincere heart. People always ask, do you give to Central? I mean, you work here, and, and you're, you, you give? And why would you do that when, when you work and, we, and pay? And, and, and then staff? Does, does the staff give? Listen to me. Mary and I um, are one of the top five givers here at Central. And, and I want you to hear me. I'll say that to brag. I don't. Because in, in all the years I've been here, I've never even made that statement. So this is not a bragging statement. We are blessed because of our giving. Because of our, our giving, we are able to be generous because God is faithful to his word. So yes, I'm smoking what I'm selling here. Yes, we, we, we give. But generosity brings connection. And I want to pause and I want to say thank you to the people that give here each and every week. Because of your generosity, we're able to do church. We're able to, 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 to do what God has called us to do. Because of the incredible generosity of this church, we're able to get into a new 712 building um, that we own. It's ours. And we're not leasing it. Um, yeah, we're making payments for probably, probably only for another year on that thing. Like, we're smoking through that thing because of your guys' generosity. Amazing things are happening over there, and we're going to continue to be able to do amazing things because of the generosity in this church. Those of you who are being generous, those of you who are giving here because of, because of you, because of what you're doing, we're going to be able to continue to reach more and more and more people for Jesus. So thank you. Because when we are generous, the house gets filled. And because of your generosity, this house has been filled with an incredible fragrance. Now, here's the thing. I used to apologize for this, and I don't apologize for it anymore. Anytime you talk about giving at church, anytime, people get mad. As a matter of fact, every time. Every time you talk about giving at church, somebody gets mad. There's somebody in here right now mad because we're talking about, don't raise your hand, don't do that, because that would be weird and awkward, all right? In your mind, you might not say it out loud, but, but you don't think that it's, that it's necessary, or, or you don't think it should ever be talked about. But here's the deal. I'm not preaching tithe or die this morning, right? I'm, I'm not. I told you at the beginning, this wasn't a money message. It's not tithe or die. Like, that would be interesting. That would be cool. <laughs> um, but that's not the message I'm preaching but anytime something like this happens, where somebody pours out, the oil, anytime somebody gives, anytime there's radical generosity in the Bible, somebody gets mad. Anytime somebody talks about it in church, somebody gets mad. That's exactly what happens in this story. Because look at this. If you can imagine this, Mary and Martha, like everybody's super thankful that Lazarus is alive. They're, they're, they're so thankful they're getting together to honor Jesus with, with a meal. They're, they're essentially having a party because Lazarus is alive. They're super thankful, but then somebody gets mad. Somebody's about to get really, really mad. Look at this, verse 4. But Judas, now, listen, you never want to be on Team Judas, <laughs> ever. Like, it sucks to be on Team Judas. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor, which on the surface sounds, sounds good, right? On the surface, it, that sounds legit. Shouldn't have smashed those TVs. You know how many people in Africa you could have? Any, I'm not bitter about that. Anyway, 
Because look what happens. Here's, here's the problem. This is legit. This is a real thing. Not that he cared for the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. You, you don't care about those TV. You don't care about they're going to eat. Or, you don't care. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Now, I, I'm, I'm not going to go through this whole thing and spend a lot of time here because anytime we talk about money or we talk about giving, we talk about generosity, people say, I don't have any money. I don't, I don't have it. You don't understand. I don't have any money. Yeah, yeah, you do. We all do. I'll prove it to you. How many of you have ever been to this place? How many? How many have ever been there? How many? How many? Now listen, I don't want to hear that eh, they're not Christian. Every year, somebody gets mad at these guys. Every year, somebody in the church. Every year, I get an email. Like, they took Merry Christmas off of the cups, Pastor, and we need to talk about it. They're not a Christian company. Why in the world we, we expect a non-Christian company to act Christian? Do they make good coffee, yes or no? Yes. Then shut up and drink it, all right? I like Starbucks. How, how many of you, I'm just curious, have ever bought a Starbucks drink? How many? I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm right there with you, all right? I have been on a Starbucks kick for a while. I'm off of it right now. haven't been there in a while. Um, but one week, don't ever do this. One week, I added up my receipts from Starbucks, and it was $48 in a week for coffee. Co that's all it is. It's doctored up, and it looks pretty, but it's just coffee. Listen, three of my grandparents lived to be in their late 80s. They didn't spend $48 on coffee in their entire lives. They bought, like, the Folgers brick. You remember that thing? Like, that thing lasted 22 years. It cost 79 cents at the supermarket. Like, that's seriously. So $48 on coffee? It, it's not that we don't have it. It's just, you know, what's important? What's important to you? What is it? Or how about this place? Ever been there? Anybody ever been there? I just lost half the audience, right? <laughs> Listen, when organizations spend money, most people don't have a problem. They recently spent $60 million on renovations. $60 million. Nobody had a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not even really a fan. I'm, and in fact, I'm not a fan at all. I don't, I don't got no problem. $60 million. But has anybody, has, has anybody um, stopped buying tickets to stop people from buying tickets to go there? No. How does it stop people from showing up? If it's important to you, you make it a priority. I'm just saying, it's not that we don't have money. It's just we spend it on what we consider to be important. Now, the reason I bring that up is because anytime we talk about money or we talk about giving, this is another question somebody will inevitably ask. Well, how much are you giving to missions? Now, what I've started doing is I've turned that around, and I've asked people this question. How much are you giving? to missions. And, and you know, I, I've been in ministry um, for a long time now. And in all the years that I've been, th this question has been posed to me and I've been asking that back, I've only had one person ever answer how much they were personally giving to missions. Listen to me. This church, I want you to hear me. This church, we give 100% to missions. 100%. 100% of, of the money that comes in here, every penny we put back into the kingdom of God. 
Now, that means lights have to get paid for. That means staff has to get paid. I understand all of that. But everything, everything we do here is to reach people who are far from God and connect people to Jesus and each other. And so 100% of what we do goes to missions. And here's why. When Jesus, when he's talking about the mandate, the responsibility of the church, he says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, which is where they were. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, church, you can't reach the ends of the earth until you reach where you are right now. You, you just can't. Can't reach the ends of the earth until we reach where we are right now. And, and I've told you the, these stats, and we've gone through things before. There are tens of thousands of people around us who aren't even in church this morning, who don't even have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Right now, for our church, for our church, our number one mission is Carroll and our surrounding communities. Then it's Creston. That, that's the mission that God has for us right now. So why in the world would we travel halfway around the world when we've got opportunities in front of us on a daily basis? That's the mission that God has for us. But I'm going to throw this out there before we move on. I want to let you know, we give to overseas missions as well. Last year, in a pandemic year, this church, this our church, Central Church gave $45,741 to overseas missions. And so if you're ever one, yeah, clap about that because that's huge. That's huge. You guys are awesome. Because of your generosity, we're able to do that. Like this church is able to do that. There was a time, listen, I'm not going to get into this whole thing. There was a time when I first got here, this church had $17 in its bank account. And last year, because of you, because of your generosity, we were able to do that. And so, does Central support missions outside of Carroll? 45,000 times yes. Yes. And it's because, of, it's because of what Jesus is doing through you, what you're allowing Jesus to do in and through you. And Jesus, I, I love Jesus. He's, he's always sticking up for people. And so Judas, he's, he's kind of going off on Mary, and if you read the other Gospels, you'll see the, the other disciples, they start joining in with him as well, and they're upset. And verse 7 says this, Jesus replied, leave her alone. Hey, Judas, knock it off, man. The rest of you, leave her alone. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial, which, by the way, that statement right there will completely bust up a party, right? Like, you're having a good time. Oh, yeah. Anyway, he said, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. In other words, he said, hey, all of you, leave her alone. She has just done something amazing. She has done something great. All of us in this room enjoy great things, right? I sat down on Thursday, and I started thinking of some things um, that I personally think are great. I don't know if you'll agree or not. It's okay for you to be wrong this morning. It's cool. But I, I think they're great, all right? And so we can make a list of great things. Let's start off with, like, great movies. We could probably debate great movies over and over and over again all day long. But I got some pushback on this last week, and so I'm going to say it again. I think one of the greatest movies ever is The Shawshank Redemption. I, I just do. I think that movie is absolutely amazing. If I was one of those pastors, I don't know if you've seen um, churches that, that do um, 
movies with a message or whatever, and they come in and they use movies, and they have like an entire series on that. I tried that one time. I'm not any good at it. That's that's hard for me to do. Other people are great. Um, But if I could do it, I'll do one on this movie right here. People are like, Pastor, shouldn't watch that. I mean, you know how much bad stuff is in there? Welcome to Central. That's like, that's all, that's all I got for you. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. We can talk about movies all day. Great movies. Great bands. We go around this room and talk about great bands. I think one of the greatest bands of all time is Metallica. Like, their music, I think, I think, musically, one of the best bands ever. When, when the top symphonies in the world, in the world, are calling you and saying, hey, will you come and play your heavy metal music with us? And we're going to like write an entire symphony thing around your heavy metal music like you're doing something right. I think they're great. I think it's great music. Bordineros, one of the greatest places to eat lunch. And hands down, hands down, hands down, hands down, not even an argument ever, the greatest place to buy meat that you will ever find. Right? Great great things. All of us. We can make huge lists about great things. We can talk about great things. We can say we're blessed with great things, whether it's great music, great movies, great food, great places to live. But, but when it comes to what we have in Jesus, I mean, we've got, we don't have it good. We have it great. And I, and I made a list of what I think are some great, great, great things that we have in Jesus. For example, in Jesus, we have great love. We do. Great love. I, I'm talking about the kind of love where he knows everything about us, and he loves us anyway. I, I want to tell you something. The person sitting beside you, you don't know everything about them. You, you don't. Some of you are like, no, 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 baby, 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 baby. Yeah, you know everything. Oh, no, 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 there's that one thing I told you about, right? Because if you knew everything about the people you're sitting around, you wouldn't be sitting around them. And listen, if they knew everything about you, they wouldn't want to sit around you either. Because we all got that thing. We've all got that time. We've all got that season, right? And we think that we can't be fully loved unless we're fully known. And Jesus fully knows us and fully loves us anyway. It's the best deal going on the planet. And by the way, let me say this, and this will be, this will be my controversy statement for the day. Uh, he loves you whether you're a Christian or not. He really does. He loves you whether or not you're a Christian. Some people say, no, you've got to be a Christian to get his love. No, you don't. No, no. You were created in his image, on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And he loves you right now, exactly as you are. Great love. I love the fact that in Jesus we have great forgiveness. I mean, we're forgiven And I love that because all of us struggle with forgiving people, right? All all of us, every person in this room. We've been hurt by a person or a group of people, and we all struggle with forgiveness. But right here, we're reminded that God offers us his forgiveness. And on the cross, when Jesus was hanging there, he didn't say, you are finished. He said, it is finished. What is the it? Payment for our sin made in full. And when we receive Jesus... We are forgiven of our sin, past, present, and future. That's a great deal. He doesn't hold sin over us. Great forgiveness. I love the fact that we have great acceptance in Jesus. That Jesus, right now, if you give your life to Jesus, he will accept you exactly as you are. Just as you are. Plain and simple. I I, I get asked this question a lot. Who could come to Central Church? 
who, who, can, come, who can come to this church? Um, it's a really easy answer. The only people we accept are the people that Jesus accepts. And that means anybody and everybody. When you look at Jesus in the scriptures, right, and, and, and we can sit here and we can argue this all day long, but, but when you look at it, he wasn't running around and running people off because they were this way or they were that way or they lived like this or they lived like that. Jesus loved them anyway and every way. And listen, we talked about this last week. Religion teaches clean up your life and then you can follow Jesus. Jesus says, come follow me and I'll transform you into who you need to be. Are you still going to have struggles? Are there still going to be things that come into your life? Are you still going to like look at sin? Are you still going to fall? Yes! But come follow me and I'll transform you into who you need to be in my time. That type of acceptance is not available anywhere in this world other than Jesus. In Jesus, we have great acceptance. I love the fact that in Jesus, we have great companionship through the Holy Spirit. When we receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us and leads us on a daily basis. Uh, I don't know about you, but there have been times that I have made the right decision, and I don't know why I made the right decision. Looking back, I understand it was God's Spirit leading me during that moment. And we've talked about this before. That even when we feel alone, even when we feel abandoned, we're not alone because Jesus is always with us. Last but not least, we have a great eternity. Great eternity. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to tell you, none of us have a clue what heaven's going to be like. Not, not, not a clue. Nobody. No one. I've read the books. I've seen the movies about heaven. But the Bible says that when it comes to heaven, our minds can't even begin to imagine how amazing it's going to be. Listen, I'll, I'll finish it up, and I'll say it like this. Um, God created the world in how many days? Six days, right? We established that earlier. Um, I think he did a pretty amazing job, don't you? Like, there are some amazing things that we could see. A couple years ago, um, Jira and I went to the Grand Canyon. I saw it for the first time in my life. It was absolutely amazing. There is some amazing, amazing stuff out there. But Jesus said this to his disciples in John chapter 14. He said, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and when I'm done, when I'm done preparing the place, I'm going to come back for you. And so, I don't know. This, this might be a stretch. It might not. It might be one of those things like, I can't believe that you said that. And five years down the road, I'd be like, I can't believe I said that either. But think about this like this. If he created the world... In six days. And he's been working on heaven for 2,000 years. How amazing is that place really going to be? Seriously. How amazing it's going to be. I think we're going to have a great, great, great eternity. And all of us have all of this available to us. Because we have a generous God who calls us to be generous people. And he calls us to walk out of bondage and walk in the freedom of generosity. Let's pray.